It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you. I've certainly got a little bit of some blue skies that I'm looking out on. Hopefully wherever you are, the sun uh, is managing to break through as well. We welcome you along to the programme. We've got John Paul and Sadie taking the calls. 1850-333-103. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Always looking forward to your calls and comments throughout the morning. And we've already had a call in from a gentleman who really is feeling very, very hard done by and I wonder how others will feel about Pat and the situation he found himself in this. I'm assuming that this only happened this uh, week. He was parked on O'Brien Street in Mallow. Now, he admits straight away that he was parked on double yellow lines, but he was only popping into a shop for a few seconds, as he said. So he said, I'll park up, no other parking available, so I'll just leave it, pop it there on the double yellow lines. I'll be in and out in a minute and it'll be fine. The guy inside in the shop said to him, you'd want to be really, really careful. There's traffic wardens out and about and you could get a ticket for being parked on those double yellow lines and Pat should, sure, I'll be grand. I'll be out there in a few seconds and I'll have driven away and they won't know any different. Uh, anyway, he said, as just as he was leaving the shop, a lady was coming in through the door saying, ah, oh, someone outside is just after getting a ticket. And Pat said, he's new. He just knew his heart sank. He ran out. He said, I knew it was going to be my car. And lo and behold, it was. As he approached his car, he saw the ticket. He saw the traffic warden walking away. He called after him, but the traffic warden ignored him and kept going. And maybe the traffic warden didn't hear him. And then Pat was left with a parking ticket. Now, Pat says he's 84 years of age and he felt it was very, very harsh as he was only parked there for a bare few minutes. He reckons the traffic warden could have stopped, could have spoken to him, could have said to him, you shouldn't be parked in a double yellow line, given him a bit of a warning and left him off. So Pat ended up having to pay the fine. He did try to appeal the fine, but failed. But uh, he felt it was very harsh uh, indeed. And what is what is a parking ticket now? Is it is it is it 60 or 80 euro for a parking ticket anyway? He just feels that as, at 84, it was a bit harsh and he was only there for a few seconds at one stage he said but then it went to two minutes but he said he wasn't there very long uh, anyway. So uh, he contacted us today wondering uh, so we decided we'd give it out just to feel 
just to try to get a feel for how people are on this one. Was the traffic warden correct? Pat had parked and he did put his hand up and say he was parked in a double yellow line. He was only going to pop into the shop. It was only for a few minutes. He wasn't going to block any traffic because he wasn't going to be there very long. So therefore, the traffic warden should have waited around. If he'd waited around probably another minute, he would have seen Pat come out of the shop and he could have maybe just had a few words with him, as Pat said, and then Pat could have driven away. Uh, So are you with the traffic warden that he was right to give the ticket? Or are you with Pat who feels he has really been hard done by and there should be some kind of uh, leniency. Now, Pat, I will say, if you had said that you had parked in a disabled bay without having a disabled parking sticker, I would have given the traffic warden a pat on the back and said, well done for issuing a parking uh, ticket. But the parking on double yellow lines, you, you, as you say yourself, you knew it was wrong uh, to do it. And this double yellow lines are there for a reason is to try to keep everybody safe. I don't know. I don't exactly know where it was, if it was on a bit of a bend. Could you have ended up obstructing traffic? I know you say you were only going to be a a couple of minutes, but it's in those couple of minutes that things can go wrong. Anyway, let's see how others feel. Are you with Pat on this, who feels he was really harshly treated and they should have just got a warning rather than getting a parking fine? 1850-333-103. Wet pub and just by the way before I talk about West pubs because I will be mentioning it in my next piece I had a text in from Christy yesterday and my apologies Christy to you that I didn't get to this it came in at the close of the programme but he raises the question who came up with the nonsensical term of West pubs he said he feels the term is derogatory he also feels that it is connotations with Wuhan and the wet markets the source of the present mayhem and the problems that the whole world is affected by came out of Wuhan and came out of a wet market. Christie says in his text to us, a pub is a pub is a pub. He said, I'm even surprised to hear publicans describing their premises as wet pubs. And I'm with you, Christy. I don't know where it came from. And actually, only yesterday when I was teeing up the programme with Simon, I mentioned that as well. Where did this term wet pubs? I've never heard of a pub that doesn't serve food referred to as wet pubs. But somewhere along when restaurants were allowed to open and then they discovered gastro bars could open and they discovered any kind of pubs that served food, whether they had a restaurant licence or not, were allowed to open. And it was suddenly around that time to differentiate, I suppose, between a pub that serves food and was allowed to open as opposed to a pub that didn't serve food and wasn't allowed to open. Someone somewhere came up with this idea and this word wet pub and it is absolutely stuck. And the government today, according to the Irish Times, is likely to authorise the reopening of the pubs that do not serve food, the so-called wet pubs. The date now, according to the Irish Times today, is expected to be the 21st of September, which would be Monday week, even though the National Public Health Emergency Team Neffet uh, are advising that they are, sorry, they are advising that they shouldn't open before that date but Neffet now are saying, yeah, if you're going to give them a go-ahead date, give them the 21st of September. And as we've heard on our news this morning, the Cabinet is expected to agree on the reopening date. The Cabinet are meeting uh, today and while the Cabinet are meeting today, Tipperary Republicans are going to protest outside Leinster House about the continued closing as well as the new 
regulations that are being put in place and the Royal Independent Group they've tabled actually a private members motion for the Dáil for tomorrow that's supposing the new regulations requiring the pubs to keep receipts of who had what and how much food everybody had and that they're required as we know at the moment to keep it for 28 days but the Tipperary publicans are taking their protest to a Leinster house and of course we know because we spoke with Cork publicans yesterday who were protesting outside the offices of Simon Coveney and Michael McGrath. Now public health officials are, are suggesting that counties with a higher incident of coronavirus could be excluded from the reopening of the traditional pubs. So that's been played down by government sources. The acting chief medical officer, Dr Roland Glim, said he thought it was possible for wet pubs to reopen in the middle of September. But he's flagged a particular concern about a number of counties and the counties that there's a lot of focus going on it's because there were rising cases in Dublin but also in Limerick if you've been tracking day on day the rise in figures for a while Dublin sort of levelled out a little bit and there seemed to be just pockets of cases around the, the country but all of a sudden then the numbers every single day that the numbers are called out usually more than half of them are in the in Dublin City but Limerick steadily every single day has been seeing an increase in numbers so much so that Dr Roland Glim yesterday mentioned both Dublin and Limerick huge cause of concern amongst the public health officials and they're calling on residents of both counties to limit their social interactions and he said yesterday that the next seven days in terms of people's behaviour are really important. He said if things stay stay stable, then he said we'll see where we're going and intimating that we should be okay then for the pubs to reopen on the 21st of September. But some are saying if the pubs can open on the 21st of September, but what's stopping it is a rise in cases in Dublin and Limerick, then do you keep the pubs closed in Dublin and Limerick and allow the really rural ones and the ones in other parts of the country to open up instead? And And we know, of course, that pubs were never going to reopen until we got the children back into schools and the schools reopened. And I have to say, this morning was my first morning getting caught in the school traffic and I had forgotten what it is like to get caught in the school uh, traffic. Uh, But I did this morning anyway and I just had to put up with it. And in a way, long may it continue because of the school traffic, we know that the children are back in classes and back in, in, in where they should be, in with their school friends. The Irish Independent are leading though with the story that classes are continuing in full in some schools despite confirmed cases of COVID-19 and I'm wondering how parents feel about this because it is causing alarm amongst some parents and also among some of the teachers unions at least two schools around the country have continued classes as normal now that was following public health advice after they had confirmed cases of the virus within the school population unions are raising concern about entire classes not being sent home in the event of a confirmed student case. Some parents are calling for more information to be provided on the the cases and they're saying the reason for it is that they could have at-risk family members. The Association of Secondary School Teachers, they say that they're continuing to pursue the matter vigorously. The ASDI are aware that decisions related to confirmed cases of COVID-19 in schools are made by the HSE Departments of Public Health. Experts have argued that if a single child is infected, the entire class 
as a minimum, has to go home and isolate for two weeks and get tested. And they're saying, why is this arrangement not being implemented? If that's what experts were saying before the schools reopened, schools where they've had confirmed cases of COVID-19 are not being named by the government or by health officials under HSE guidelines. Schools also do not have to alert all parents if there has been a confirmed case. They only, by law, have to give the close contacts of the of the students. Now, we were hearing yesterday of a primary school in Cork who, fair dues, emailed every single parent over the weekend to notify them that they had a positive case in the school. Now, the principal advised that all the classes would continue as normal this, uh, this week. It was only, obviously, the parents of the child who would be the close contact of that child who were contacted to say your children need to isolate or your children need to go for uh, testing. But parents are worried and I know one parent in particular at the Cork uh, School uh, uh, contacted the Irish Independent wanted to remain anonymous but they were calling on the school to notify them about which class the case relates to and the reason was that they have a high risk relative um, at home and there has been outbreaks in schools in Dublin, Meath, Clare and Kerry. They've all had confirmed uh, cases with some sending home the entire class. So it seems to vary from area to area and it certainly seems to vary from school to school. So I'm wondering how do any parents listening feel if your child is in a class that has a confirmed case of COVID-19, would you prefer if the whole class were sent home, all of the children sent for a test, are all of them told to self-isolate for 14 days? Or are you seeing it from well, how some of the schools are doing it, that they will only send the children who were in close contact with the child with COVID? They will be the only ones who will be contacted. They'll be the only ones who will be sent forward for testing or the only ones who will be told to uh, self-isolate. Uh, and the rest of the class won't even know that there was a child even though I think if you're in a class with 30 students and suddenly four or eight of them disappear and you know that there's been a case of COVID in the school I think the schools amongst them the school population themselves they'll probably be able to work out which class has it but would you prefer to be getting that kind of information directly from the school that the school would contact you and would say we have had a pupil in senior infants who's who's tested positive for COVID-19. The entire senior infant class are remaining at home. The rest of the classes can come in because they haven't been in close contact with the child. Is that the kind of information? Or do you prefer the way other schools are doing it where they're just picking the child's close contacts and nobody else's? Uh, Your thoughts welcomed on that because I know there was a certain amount of relief by parents when children went back to school this week and for many of them for many parents they want their children to remain in class now everybody wants the children to be safe uh, but they don't want children being put in school out of school for two weeks back in again and then there's another outbreak and they're back out again anyway your thoughts on that on how schools are handling the whole uh, return post uh, COVID-19 1850 well post the lockdown from COVID-19 1850 333 John Paul and Sadie you're taking your calls, you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
to say a massive reaction to Pat one of our listeners who feels very hard done by because he parked on double yellow lines now he knew himself he was parked on double yellow lines but he said sure I'm only popping into the shop I'll be in and out first of all he said in a few seconds then it went to a few minutes he said I'm not going to be there for long lo and behold he came back out and he had a parking ticket which he tried to appeal but was told no way Jose you parked on double yellow lines and you have to pay to pay it he felt it was very harsh and he felt the traffic warden could have just spoken to him and explained the error of his ways to him and told him he shouldn't park there again and kind of leave him off give him kind of a a chance Uh, and he contacted us to see how would others feel were others with Pat that he felt he was harshly treated and that 84 you know the traffic warden who by the way didn't even didn't know Pat was 84 by the way I have to say in defence of the parking attendant it could have been anybody driving that car but uh, Pat just feels he was harshly treated anyway I have to say to you Pat if if you're still listening to us there's not many people feel you were harshly treated let me give you a sample of some of these are just some of the texts and whatsapps that have come in Patricia the culture of rules are made to be broken needs to be addressed I absolutely agree with the traffic warden issuing a parking ticket to Pat he has a difficult enough job enforcing the rules and no one should be parking on double yellow lines even if it's just for a few minutes. Another texter says, I think your last caller, Pat, was totally wrong in thinking he'd get away with not paying his parking ticket. I mean, who does he think he is? I'm sick of people complaining about our traffic wardens in Mallow. Pat knew what he was doing. He was breaking the law. I'm a retired person and I pay my way and was happy to do so. If our traffic wardens were gone, our town of Mallow would be gridlocked. Sorry about my rant, but I feel everyone seems to pick on our friendly kind traffic wardens and that's from PK from uh, Mallow thank you for that Mary says well Pat just because you cannot park on double yellow lines it's why you got a ticket no one is allowed to park on double yellow lines get over it you won't do it again now will you and nobody is only two minutes in a shop says Mary you might think you're only going to be two minutes but then you're always there uh, longer and another Mary says Patricia with regards to parking on double yellow lines I witnessed it constantly in Mitchellstown outside the post office and outside the side entrance to the Bank of Ireland. They come so near to the door that they would step down onto the road. You have to manoeuvre your way around the vehicle just to get onto the road. And actually, that's something we're going to be discussing um, on the programme this morning is the parking um footpaths as well so that's another issue we are going to be addressing. Double yellow lines says somebody else are there for a reason. I was only driving at 150 miles per hour for a short time. What's the difference? Rules of the roads are not negotiable but a lot of people seem to forget that. Noel in Kilmurray says good morning Patricia poor old Pat from Mallow. If only his name was Phil Hogan he'd have been grand he'd have gotten away uh, with it and somebody else says double yellow lines means no parking at any time. You need to remember that. Uh, Pat says, another Pat says, double yellow lines are there for a reason. You can't park on double yellow lines in any country in the world. Too bad for Pat. Patricia, Pat needs to suck it up. End of story. Stop moaning. He was in the wrong. Sorry, Pat. They can't hang around for everyone who parks on double yellow lines just to have a quick few words with you. That says Mags. Now, somebody who reckons they got, they were on the street 
when Pat parked on the double yellow lines because somebody says there was a queue up the town for at least 30 minutes as a result of Pat parking on the double yellow lines. This listener says I would have doubled the fine. Mary says not sure if the warden would have known Pat's age. It could have been anyone. I suppose rules are rules says Mary. Rob says of course the warden was right. Double yellow lines means no parking. No matter who you are no matter what age you are he shouldn't have parked there. Uh, simple as. And uh, a final one says if Pat had to contact your programme this morning then he absolutely knew he was in the wrong. Double yellow lines I did the same. A few minutes in the shop guess what? I got a ticket. I had to pay the fine. 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. OK and just while we're waiting for our next interview to come through just a, a couple more uh, calls and comments in about Pat. Actually some Somebody's on Pat's side, okay, because I'm going through all the texts because everybody is kind of making the same point that double yellow lines mean double yellow lines and you're not allowed to park on double yellow lines. But somebody said that was very rude of him to do that to that poor man. Everybody makes a mistake, says A. So it's one. I have to say it's the only one that I can find in all of the texts and calls that are coming in. And somebody says, you can't bring age into this. This is when Pat was saying he's 84 and he felt because of his age. And I don't know whether he was saying because of his age, well, he quoted his age. So I'm assuming he thinks because of his age, he feels he was particularly harshly treated that the, even though the traffic warden could, did not know that it was an 84-year-old man was driving that car. He just found a car parked on double yellow, yellow lines. Jacinth in Blarney says, you can't bring age into this. The law is there for everyone, regardless of your age. There's no point saying bringing age into it. And Kevin McCroom picks up on the age one and says, why do older people feel they can do what they want? If you say to elderly people, you get given out to. If you say anything to elderly people, you get given out to and you get accused of being ageist. But if somebody does something wrong, then the person straight away will pull the age card and say, sure, I'm in my age. We can't have double standards, says Kevin in McCroom. 1850-333-103. And we're going to stay on sort of a similar uh, subject because there's been a call that Ireland should follow Britain's lead and fine people for parking on pavements. It's the view of the Irish Wheelchair Association. And Michael Doyle is the Director of Assisted Living with the Irish Wheelchair Association. And Michael joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Now, Michael, can you st- begin by outlining what has been introduced in the UK? Yeah, there's actually a move within the UK government to uh, um, fine up to 70 euros, 70 pounds for anyone who parks anywhere across England on footpaths illegally. And uh, as, as this is seen as part of make your pathway more accessible for the general public and for people with disabilities. And do we have laws at the moment governing the parking of footpaths in, in this country? Yeah, the 1979 uh, Road Traffic Act did impose a 40 euro fine for uh parking illegally on footpaths. Now, it's not an act we see very often reported on uh, where people are prosecuted for it, but it is there on the statutory books. And do you feel people don't realise just how difficult it can be for somebody who is in a wheelchair if their access is blocked because of this parking? Yeah, it really is, uh, can be a challenge for people with disabilities to get around the uh, footpaths themselves are difficult enough with rough and steps up and down, but where you have a footpath which is accessible, um, a person with a disability using it to come and find that it's blocked by a car, by other obstructions, be it waste paper bins, uh, signs, tables and chairs now as we move into COVID-19, can really impact on a person's ability to live their daily lives and go about their duties. Or, and also, it's not just people with disabilities, it's... Um, 
put her mother or with buggies and uh, older people again who may need that walking space with um walking sticks and aids and we've had examples of especially wet days and the wet days are really where people take the shortcuts normally people park on the footpath or across the road but a wet day they'll pull up outside the shop or and they'll run in and put the car up on the footpath but they're only there for a minute but they're forgetting that there's a person waiting for a minute to get by and some quite often you can't go back the paths are so narrow uh, so you're waiting for the person to come out and it's really an issue for people with disabilities Yeah and the picture you paint if it's a wet day you've got somebody sitting in a wheelchair with the, the rain could be bucketing down on top of them while they're waiting for somebody who just wanted to nip into the shop for a few minutes and parked right outside the door of the shop Yeah and that's really and I know that person who parked that car didn't didn't envisage they were going to be putting anyone out, but they are, and they're putting somebody out who's already having a challenging enough day to get home on yeah. a bad wet day after maybe having a hard day or trying to get to work, which is even worse, and turning up wet and late to their to, to work in relation to their or an appointment. So it is really issue, and cars are one issue. So we would look for enforcement, and it does happen in some towns where the traffic wards are very vigilant in the town centres. But when you move outside the town centres, then you really do start to see very little enforcement of it. And you have, as well as cars, you would have uh, pathways where people in the bins in the morning, all your listeners this morning who put out their bins, yeah. where did they put them? Did they put them on the footpath or did they put them just inside the gate? And without thinking and not without doing anything, they probably put them in the footpath where somebody with a disability on that street knows there's no point going out of a Tuesday morning because I'm not going to be able to get down there. Isn't that dreadful? You're planning your life around bin day almost in, in, in some areas. And would, Michael, would you hear from many members? Yeah, it's a regular thing at our AGMs and it's a regular thing uh, for people trying to get out uh, as back into work, back into college. And I suppose we've seen uh, an uptake in it in some ways or an increase in the number of issues as businesses reopen. And we're all in favour of that and there's no, we don't want to do anything to take from that. But they're now moving outdoors where they have room and they're putting their desks at the front door or their counters, they're bringing tables and chairs out and that's all very welcome. But we just ask those businesses to give consideration to the other people who have to use those footpaths. Yeah, I was in Galway last week um, and I actually saw, again, it was to do with the parking uh, issue, uh, a woman in a, in a wheelchair. I mean, we went over to see, did she need some help? I mean, she literally, she tried to, caught she could squeeze down by this car parked on, on a footpath and then she got wedged and she couldn't go forward or back. And we have many examples of that. A young man recently on a footpath came around the corner, narrow footpath in his power chair and um, there was a lorry parked on the footpath just pulled up two wheels in front of it. He couldn't go forward, he couldn't go back and there was no one. He actually had to ring one of our members oh of staff to, home to help him to get off the footpath because it was too dangerous for him to reverse. Oh, it's just shocking. And as you say, it also affects uh, people who are visually impaired. It affects parents with buggies. Because, you know, there's a lot of people affected by this. So I suppose the message and like the Disability Federation of Ireland have a, this is an annual event on the 25th of September where they're asking and the 31 councils around the country are, are involved in this on the, on the 25th of September, Make Way Day, where we're just asking people to be vigilant, uh, take pictures of the cars or obstructions that are on the path and upload them onto the DFI site. And it's just about raise awareness. And I know England have gone down the road of uh, enforcement and I'd be hoping that's 
most Irish people, we don't need to go down enforcement. It's just awareness. People need to think a little bit more about where to park that car, where to leave out that bin, how it might impact on somebody else. And uh, Irish people are very, are very good natured. And as a general rule, okay, we may have to get the big stick for a small number, but for a general rule, it's just about raising the issue and for people to consider the impact of their actions. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think people park are the, are the bin issue I would never have thought of now and, until you've raised it. We do it without even thinking. No one's deliberately doing it to block somebody's Correct. route. Yeah. Yeah, and just with the whole lockdown, Michael, was it particularly difficult for wheelchair users? Yeah, they would have been uh, categorised as most vulnerable in members of society because most people who have used wheelchairs have secondary conditions. So therefore, they would have been cocooning uh, along uh, with a lot of other people in society and so they wouldn't have been getting out for their support and interaction. So many organisations such as IWA transferred their services from a centre-based services back to a home-based service where we support the people in their homes and our assisted living service then would have continued to support people. That's our PA service in people's homes, but would have been wearing the appropriate protective equipment and uh, adhering to social distancing and all that goes with it. But it's been a very challenging time for people with disabilities and a very frightening time because they do see themselves in the more vulnerable part of society or numbers of society. And I suppose now as we re-engage in society, it's a, a, a new a new approach for them and this can only come together again in small numbers and the supports that we can give those is, has been challenging. Um, and I suppose just I'd like to take the opportunity for the staff working for ourselves, but also for other voluntary organisations and service providers. The fantastic work they've done over the last four to six months has been amazing. Yeah, it's one of the things we certainly on this programme would have heard from people who really missed their daycare centres and their, you know, their day out once a week. Uh, are they slowly starting to come back, Michael? They are. Um, and we're now re-engaging back into people bringing us back into our services, into our centres. But with the social distancing and the maximum of six people or three people for one family, you have a limited number of people you can bring into any given centre because the centres themselves are restricted in space. And you also have a limited number of people you can transport on the vehicles, again, adhering to social distancing. So the numbers are very small coming back in, and it's a matter of prioritising the people we support with that. But we are doing a lot of outreach, a home support to people, meeting them in their communities, supporting them uh, in their own homes and, and uh, remotely. Uh, programmes such as uh, Zoom, where people are linking in with their colleagues, it's not the same. Yeah. We're not trying to suggest it's the same, but it's keeping that contact. And it's a matter of staying in touch with people and keeping people involved with their peers. Yeah, it's, it really has been a tough time for, for so, so many people. And it's with us, there's, you know, it's going to be with us for, what, the bones of another year, maybe more. And that is the challenge, I suppose, that we can't, we can't be foolish and think that we can go out and uh, be flu looking at where we live. But we have to take reasonable measures, but we also have to ensure it's important that people, people can't remain locked inside their front doors because that's not existing either. No. So it's getting that balance right to support people in a safe manner and allow people to live their lives and get back out. And people with disabilities are starting to come back into society, but again, they are the most vulnerable and it's about supporting that. Yeah, and it's learning to live with the virus, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. That's, that's the real secret for all of us, uh, whether you have a disability or not. Okay, listen, you do fantastic work at the Irish uh, Wheelchair Association and I can see a lot of people agreeing that we should be introducing fines for parking on pavements and and people citing all kinds of examples of where they've seen stupid parking going on. Listen, we leave it there, Michael. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Michael Doyle and Michael is the Director of Assisted Living with the Irish Wheelchair Association. And it was, we had that interview already booked in before we discovered the piece we were going to be doing 
doing with pat parking on the double yellow lines but they do very much tie in together it's all about parking and parking thinking actually I'm only going to be a few minutes but we need to remember there are other people who also need might need to be getting somewhere and it's only going to take them a few minutes and your car parked in an awkward place stopping somebody in a wheelchair. I mean, the thought of somebody on a wet day coming around a corner trying to negotiate their way to wherever they need to get to and they can't move because somebody's parked right outside the shop in order to run in so that they won't get wet. Not thinking that somebody, wouldn't you be mortified to come out of a shop and discover that you'd blocked somebody who's just sitting there in their wheelchair waiting for you to uh, move your car. 1850-333-103. I can still see a number of texts and calls coming in about uh, Pat Dorothy in Ballinhasic says I drive near the city centre every day and I come across cars parked on double yellow lines which means I cannot get down the street until the oncoming cars have cleared I could be stuck five to ten minutes waiting to go down what is a very narrow city street why? because somebody is parked on a double yellow line I'm trying to collect children from a childminder and I often end up late uh, because of this behaviour people need to stop and uh, think. Katrina says we have to walk on the road where I am. Why? Because people keep parking on the footpaths leaving no room to walk by. It's very dangerous especially now that schools are, are back and it seems it seems to be even worse. So while we were looking at it on how it's affecting people in a wheelchair it's also affecting people able-bodied people who are finding it uh, difficult to negotiate where they are going. 1850-333-103. Actually, just a couple of people as well. When I was talking about the reopening of the pubs and the meeting that's on, the cabinet meeting that's on today, where it's expected an announcement and a decision will be made and an announcement will be made as to the date that the pubs will reopen and they're talking, well the Irish Times are pointing to the 21st of September as being the date that the pubs will be allowed to reopen even though as we spoke about yesterday publicans have had a number of false starts uh, so uh, far Um, but a number of people, when I mentioned that Roland Glynn was talking about Dublin and Limerick and saying that these are two counties that really need to be very, very careful because they're seeing rising numbers and people in those counties, you know, need to limit their social interactions. The people are saying, is are they pointing to having a lockdown in both of those counties, in the Dublin and Limerick? Could they do local regional lockdowns there? Our others are saying, well, if you're going to open the pubs, open them up in the other parts of the country. But if Dublin and Limerick are the problem, then leave the pubs closed in Dublin and in Limerick. Jim is saying, Trisha, I wonder... Would they ever consider a Dublin lockdown as everything seems to be happening there? Unlike what happened in Leash, Offaly and Kildare, they had a lockdown when their figures went up and yet we're constantly seeing the Dublin numbers go up and there is never any talk of a Dublin lockdown. And you know, I was thinking about this last night, I don't think I've ever seen anyone mention or anyone even consider that we would have a lockdown in uh, Dublin. And I don't know, is, is it because it's our capital city? Is it because it would affect too many people? Is it because too many people? Because remember, if they went for a lockdown in Dublin like they did in Leash, Kildare and Offaly, it would mean nobody could visit Dublin. That would mean anyone that would need to do business or whatever wouldn't be able to get in or out of Dublin. I mean, when they do a lockdown, that's what a lockdown you can't visit, except obviously in exceptional circumstances. So I don't know if they would ever go down that route. But I certainly don't think I've ever seen anyone suggest 
from either Neffet or from any of the government, any of the TDs, ministers, I don't know. Has anybody ever heard anyone suggest that maybe Dublin needs to be locked down? And also now with Limerick, somebody else says, Trish, why can't they just simply close down Dublin and Limerick? Put them on lockdown for two weeks like they did with the other counties. I guarantee you, says this texter, if it was Cork, they would do it. They would have, uh, they have different rules for the other counties than they do for Dublin. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now at the end of August, the Department of Education confirmed it would implement social distancing on school buses, but did say it would have to be phased in. Some parents have contacted the programme to say they're not happy to see their children on what they described as packed buses. Fergal McCarthy is principal at Kinsale Community School and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you, Fergal. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, and, be- and before we start, congratulations on your IMRO nomination. You're very, you and your team. You're very stuff. kind. Excellent stuff. You're very kind. Now, some of the parents who contacted us have students attending your school, Fergal. Are many of your buses operating social distancing? Well, all of the buses are operating. Um, okay. But the struggle is, Patricia, that my understanding is that the buses aren't there, and that the drivers aren't available, and that the department are, are, are seeking to obtain additional buses and additional drivers, but there's a struggle in it. So the students are coming into school with masks and with visors, um, but no, this, 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 the social distancing that would be required hasn't been obtained. And the Department of Education, in fairness to them, when they came out with this directive, mm-hmm. they did say it would have to be done on a phased basis yeah. for that very reason. That's right. Because, I mean, the gap between them saying that this needed to be done and the reality of schools reopening, I mean, it, it, the, the time frame wasn't there to facilitate this happening on an immediate basis. Yes, yeah, so they're obviously the scramble now is on to get the buses. Any indication as to when they'll have enough buses? No, no, no. no. And, and, and the, the bus companies aren't um, liaising with us in respect of this because it's, it's, it's a separate issue to the getting back, getting schools open and so on. But I do know that parents at significant inconvenience to themselves have elected not to send their children on the school bus, but rather to drive them to school themselves. But that, that's not tenable or, or a realistic prospect for many who um, who just because of their own work commitments and can't do other, that. Other, yeah. or other reasons can't do that exactly. And how is social distancing getting going on in the school campus itself? The social distancing is, is, is going on really, really well. Um, we've had to reconfigure our timetable. We now have three different lunch breaks where we had just one. Um, we've had to increase our level of supervision um, to make sure that the, that social distancing is maintained. What I would say to you is that the students have been magnificent around it and there's 100% compliance in respect of mask wearing, uh, in respect of visor wearing, in respect of one-way systems within the school, in respect of accessing lockers and so on. There's complete compliance. There, there, it would appear to me that there's a level of appreciation of what schools do um, that perhaps was taken for granted pre-COVID era. Mm. Um, students are really delighted to be back. Families are really delighted to be back. And, you know, we're, what we're trying to do is claw back as much normality in as safe a way as we possibly can. And it was really, really heartening to see people getting their leaving search results yesterday, yeah. albeit in a changed format, but at least it allows them to move on to the next phase of their lives and access their apprenticeships and access their further education opportunities and access their university life and so on. So, look, 
I take the view that everybody is doing their level best. I mean, it would have been great if coming into this, we did have appropriate buses and appropriate numbers of buses that could cater for students. Um, but but the reality is that we don't have them. Yeah. Uh, they're not there. And, um, and my understanding is that the department are really, really trying their level best to get um, to get the buses out there. I'd have to say also that the buses or that the department have invested heavily in respect of schools reopening and they haven't been found wanting around um, the funds that schools needed to appropriately open their doors and allow students to access their education in, in, in a very safe way. Is the wearing of masks all day difficult for Of course them? it is. Yeah. Of course it is. And the teaching with a mask is very difficult because teaching is a human engagement and part of a teacher's um, repertoire of skills will be to identify that learning has taken place and part of that is the look and of the realisation on the face of the child and that's lost to you. Yeah. The child who is hearing impaired, who is heavily dependent on lip reading, it has, has a missed opportunity in respect of accessing the curriculum. So it's a really, really challenging time for everybody. It's far from ideal. But to be fair, people are really, really making an effort. And I would say that from a parent perspective, from a student perspective and from a teacher staff perspective. OK, and your students did well in the Leaving Cert yesterday? We had, we <laughs> had um, three students with 600 points Whoa. and more. One of them with a maximum of 625 uh, I think we had something like 28 students who were north of 500 points. So those students are really, really, really well equipped for um, accessing the next phase. And what I would say to your listeners is that if, you know, if you are a little bit dissatisfied or if you are a little bit concerned that the points that this year are going to be higher for gaining access to the course that you chose to do for next Monday, keep in contact with your school, keep in contact with your guidance counselling services because there's a place for everybody. Well done. Well done. I can hear the tannery going off in the background. I I'll let you go, Fergal. Listen, a pleasure. Let me talk to you again. Thank you. Congratulations. Bye-bye. 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 That is uh, he's a lovely principal. That is uh, Fergal McCarthy. He's principal of the Kinsale at Community School. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. <laughs> is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits C103 Okay, a lot of calls and texts coming in on the buses firstly when we discussed how the Department of Education announced at the end of August that they wanted social distancing on all of the school buses they did then straight away have to admit it would have to be phased in because it was too close to the start of the school year to suddenly say oh by the way we're not going to have everybody on the buses the way we did in before COVID uh, we want everybody distanced they just simply don't have enough buses so they're doing their best to try to get as many buses as they can how long it's going to take I have no idea and listening to Fergal McCarthy principal in Kinsale uh, Community College they have no indication either they're not hearing uh, from but that the Department of Education and Bus Aaron are doing everything they can to try to get more uh, buses uh, some of your suggestions on that Meg says on school buses there's lots of tour buses and drivers idle at the moment so surely that's the answer to the shortage that's a good point there's certainly not tour buses out on the roads are there many bus drivers and buses parked up empty that could be used for 
for school bus runs I don't know someone else says all the CIE bus drivers must retire at 65 even the school bus drivers therefore it's mostly over 65s who drive for drive for private contractors why? while a chap I know applied and got a CIE school bus driver's job and promptly handed in his notice after getting his paycheck he now drives trucks instead school runs are usually three to four hours of driving a day Monday to Friday and it's only during the school year. Wages generally, according to this text, are between 200 and 250 euro per week. Over 65s now are more reluctant to work due to uh, COVID. Yeah, and often the school bus runs suit retired people who only want to be working a couple of hours every day. And many of them are retired and might be on a pension and it's just, you know, it's a little bit of extra money uh, for them. So I can see why a lot of bus drivers probably don't jump at the chance of doing school bus driving hours because there isn't enough you know they're not going to make enough money so that could be an explanation as to why they're finding it difficult to get bus drivers and our uh, buses. Thank you for that. Okay, let's stay on the whole then topic of schools and children back to uh, schools. Somebody is asking, are all teachers wearing the special see-through masks? You know, the visors? I I don't know. I mean, you'd you'd have to ask. I'd have to ask uh, pupils about that. I'm assuming many of them are. I mean, it's interesting when I was speaking with Fargal from Kinsale Community College, because do you remember back during lockdown, they were the school, they were one of the first schools, the pupils themselves with their 3D printers started making the masks and started handing the masks out and giving them the the not the mask, the visors out uh, to people. So I'm assuming a school like that certainly has the visors. Again, it's got to be an individual choice, I suppose, for the teachers if they want to wear a mask and are a visor or are they wearing both? I don't know. I have heard of some schools where the teacher is in behind a screen at the top of the classroom. So obviously if they're being behind a screen, they won't have to wear visors or or masks. But if any, uh, the parents can tell us what their what their children are telling them about the teachers. Are they wearing the visors or are they actually wearing the proper uh, face masks? Patricia, only time will give the school authorities answers to how they handle an outbreak of the virus in their own individual schools. Parents should also be given the option to decide what action they would like to take for their own children. In hindsight, the country wearing masks from the outset would probably have reduced the viral load in patients and possibly it could even have reduced a number of the deaths during the first phase. But I think there was the big panic at the start. If they got everyone wearing masks, that there wouldn't be enough PPE gear. Remember the big struggle to get PPE gear at the start. I think that was one of the reasons why they, the Neffet, decided against telling everyone to wear a mask. But as soon as I think they got the PPE sorted out for the hospitals and the healthcare workers, they then started to move on getting the general public to wear them. And the majority of people, certainly the majority I see out, are not wearing the disposable ones. They're wearing the cloth ones, you know, the reusable ones and the washable uh, ones. Because certainly from a financial point of view, it is much more practical if you have masks that you can wash out and use and reuse. Because let's be honest, will we be wearing masks this time next year? I have a funny feeling oh, we will. 1850-333-103. Also coming in on schools. Uh, hey Patricia, good to have you back. Thanks very much. On schools, I was thinking that maybe if the teachers were to change rooms after each lesson rather than the pupils, would it A, cut down on close contact in moving around the school and B, ensure that the workstations are more likely to be safer as you cannot always guarantee that all the students will sanitise their workstation before moving on to their next lesson 
just a thought. And that's obviously for secondary school pupils. That doesn't affect the primary school pupils are in their one class for the full day. But we know the secondary school pupils after each class, uh, they move on. So would that be a suggestion where you would allocate first years, second years, third years, transition years, fifth years and leaving search, they would be allocated a classroom. Now, I know straight away people are going to say, what about the science subjects? What about when they do domestic science? You know, when they need to move to the gym hall and and all of that. But for all of the other core subjects, could they remain in one classroom and let the teachers alternate between the classrooms rather than the pupils? Uh, How do others uh, feel about that? 1850-333-103. I'm blocking up pavements, Patricia, says the texture in our town. A publican has very large bins and beer kegs etc out on the pavement this happens every day and they're left out 24-7 it is a nightmare for wheelchair and double buggy users and that is happening all of uh, the time Hi uh, Patricia parking in the UK this is when we spoke about the parking in the UK and they're talking about they've introduced a ban for parking on footpaths and it's a £70 fine if you're caught this text says parking in the UK they tried to ban parking part way on footpaths a number of years ago but it failed the reason for it is many properties in the UK are back to back terraces with no frontage and therefore nowhere else to park. If you don't park with one wheel on the pavement, then you simply won't get a car between them. It was the emergency services a number of years ago who complained because they had no uh, access. Now, whether that's been relooked at since or not, I don't know. But according to the Irish Wheelchair Association, that's what the UK are introducing if they haven't already introduced it. And it's a £70 fine for parking anywhere in the United Kingdom. But you do make a good point and I know exactly the type of terraces that you're talking about. I mean, even if you just watch the a programme like Coronation Street with the small terraced uh, houses and their front doors are on the footpath and there is nowhere to park. There's nowhere to drive, you know, there's no driveway and many of them don't just have a laneway out the back so you couldn't park a car there. So yeah, uh, whether there's going to have to be exemptions for areas uh, like that in the United Kingdom. Hi, uh, Patricia, this is from Pat in Bandon. I work in a supermarket. People park anywhere on a loading bay and on yellow boxes. I've put down pallets trying to stop them parking there. And this is where you have a car park for the customers where there's a whole car park for them to park but they have absolutely no respect and I suppose that goes back to uh, Pat. People just being lazy and people wanting to park as close to the door as they can and yet here's Pat's describing a whole car park in a supermarket and people know will come into the loading bay because it's near the door or the, the double yellow boxes which you're not meant to park in uh, at, at all. 1850 I live in a, a terrace in Mallow says uh, John and the children are walking on the road instead of the footpath. My wife actually got abuse from some of them uh, the other day because she asked them to walk on the footpath. Why? Because she needed to drive out of the estate. So you have children who are taking over the roads instead of the footpaths as well and it's a completely different uh, issue for sure. Helen says everybody does their theory test but many people seem to forget all the rules of the road when they start to drive particularly the one where you're not allowed to park at the zigzag line to the pedestrian crossing. Helen infuriates Helen. She said she's actually spoken to politicians, she's spoken to the Gardaí about people who park on these zigzag lines. She wishes that we would highlight that today and let people know that you cannot and should not be parking on zigzag lines. Where is the parking warden when someone is parked there and give them... uh, 
a ticket like Pat got the ticket for parking on the double yellow lines and Tom and Fomoy on Pat says he parked on double yellow lines no matter what age he was when Pat was young he had a job and he made sure that job was done to the best of his ability as with the traffic warden in this case he's doing the job to the best of his ability it's wrong to park on double yellow lines end of he was right to be given those uh, parking uh, that parking fine and someone else was on about a school and I can't find the exact text but it's a school that they saw yesterday where 30 if not more from a secondary school all came out of the school now it was obviously either at lunchtime or it was at the end of of school they were all clustered up together they were all going into a shop so maybe it was lunchtime and they were trying to get their lunch no social distancing coming on and not one of them were wearing uh, masks how come they were allowed out of school like that they didn't seem to care about lorry or car drivers when they were crossing the road either when they came out en masse. Well, I suppose the schools can do the best that they can do on the school campus and all they can do is advise young people. I think, though, you know, in the main, I think young people are trying to do the best that they can. I mean, the one thing I've noticed is the number of young people who are wearing masks when they are out and about, more so than you will see with older people. Now, I know wearing masks outside is not a regulation at the moment. Is it something that could come in? Uh, It can. But you are always going to get groups of young people who will congregate like that. And when we were talking about the children going back to school and all the rules of the regulations on campus, we, of course, highlighted and spoke about But what happens on the way to school, what happens when they leave school as this listener is pointing out, you know, they come out in large groups and they hang out together and they all, if it's at lunchtime, which I'm assuming it is, by what you described there, they're all trying to get into the shop to get their lunch. So the social distancing goes out the door when they're hungry and they want to buy their breakfast roll or whatever it is they're having for lunch. 1850-333-103. And Valerie says, Hi Patricia, I'd be grateful if you could let your listeners know, please, that the NCBI charity shop in Bandon are having a massive two days sale on clothing and uh, footwear. So if you're in Bandon, pop into the National Council for the Blind, their charity shop, a two day sale, a bag of bargain on clothing and footwear. 1850-333-103. C103 Jobs. Biogold Agri. They are looking for a full-time admin assistant. It's for their office in uh, Kilavollen. Counter sales assistant with experience in hardware, plumbing, building material, paint, DIY and also a warehouse stores operative with warehouse experience and forklift licence all wanted to work in Cork City. Qualified electrician wanted for work that's in Cork City and County and a driver is required for an immediate start that's in the Butterfield area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now as we've been reporting on the news today, former Debenhams workers have occupied the Patrick Street store this morning. They've been engaging in a sit-in in pursuit of a just settlement of four weeks redundancy pay per year of service. Valerie Conlon is the Debenhams Patrick Street shop steward and she joins me from the uh, sit-in. Good morning to you Valerie. Good morning. Uh, You're welcome. How many of the workers are engaged with you in the sit-in? So we have eight with us this morning. There's two from Tralee, one from Mahon Point, four from the Patrick Street store and a supporter. Did you feel, Valerie, you'd no other choice but to stage a sit-in at this stage? Yeah, we, we were trying to figure out what to do. We were after doing so many protests 
And at the end of the day, you'll only get so much out of those. They weren't getting us anywhere. So unfortunately, this was the last straw. Now, can you outline for our listeners the latest offer from management and how far off it is from the four weeks redundancy that you're looking for? So the four weeks, for two weeks redundancy, it's uh, ten, just slightly over 10 million. So for one week redundancy, it would be slightly over 5 million. So they've offered us a million, which is worth one day for every year you worked. My goodness. My. Yeah. And what sort of negotiations or talks are going on between yourselves and, and, and your union reps and management? Well, being honest with you, I suppose it's because between COVID, it, things have changed. Whereas normally we would be in a room with, uh, so that we have 11 stores, so 11 shop stores. There'd be one or two people from Mandate and then maybe KPMG or whoever we're negotiating against would be inside in the office. But now it's just Mandate doing it on their own. So we really don't know what's happening until they hold a Zoom meeting and tell us what suits them really to tell us, you know. So it is very, very different this time compared to any other time. And it's harder then because they're saying they're in talks, but we don't know what's happening. Very frustrating from yeah. you, from the workers' point of view. It is, because the staff, whereas I would know that the talks are ongoing, but staff that don't know procedures and how things are going... They don't understand, so they're wondering why there's nothing being done. Mm. And they're out here picketing, 152 days they're picketing, and they're not hearing anything, you know, so it is very difficult. We heard that six protesters were arrested after occupying the Henry Street store in uh, Dublin, Valerie. That's right. Uh, wh- what's happening with you guys in Cork when it comes to the Gardaí? Well, the Cor- I have to say now, I have a very good relationship with the Gardaí in Cork. We would always tell them when we're doing a protest and they always come checking us when we're on picket lines. So we always have a good relationship with them. They did come in this morning. I told them as soon as they came in that it was a peaceful protest, that we weren't going down to the shop floor, that we weren't touching any stock and that we were just in here to make a point. And uh, so far, they walked out and they've left us there. few health warnings be careful we do have a, a COVID officer here with us she's one of the staff members Okay. so we're, we're doing everything that we should be doing So where exactly are you in the store? We're in the canteen Okay and so have you cooking facilities? Uh, a microwave and a fridge Okay <laughs> A kettle did you, did, you, did you pack a picnic? Did you bring food with you? Well, you see because we, we really could now there's a load of kind of small bits and pieces there but because we didn't we couldn't carry it with us because yeah. we could only all bring a small bag so we wouldn't have. So I'm sure the KPMG will allow the staff to bring us in food tonight. I hope, Kip, I'm appealing to KPMG to allow staff hand in food to us tonight. How long do you plan to stay there, Valerie? Two and a half days. Two to, yeah, two and a half days. So we're planning to come out on Thursday around one o'clock. Okay, so you'll, have you sleeping bags? Yeah, yeah. Staff. Okay, yeah. so so you're yeah. you're, you're there for, uh, I'd love to say a staycation, but it isn't quite um, no, a staycation. No. <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> that you, you know, I know on Sunday, uh, I couldn't believe when I saw on social media that you at that stage you were a hundred and fifty days of protesting. Yeah. We're now at a hundred and fifty-two. Did you ever expect that it would go on this long when you started out? I remember when the hundred days came, and I was saying, God Almighty. I can't believe that we're still out here. And somebody did say to me, what about 150, 200? I said, no, it will be well sorted at that stage. 
So this is the last thing I would have expected to be still out here. People have their lives to get on with as well. They're out here 152 days interfering with family life, trying to get in to do pickets. It's not fair. They, people have want to get their lives back. And many of the workers, Valerie, and probably including yourself, have worked in those stores for, in many cases, it's been your full careers. Yeah, 20, I've been 24 years here. Wow, to be treated like that, it's, it's, yeah. it, it really is incredible. And what kind of support are you getting from the general public, Valerie? The public have been absolutely amazing. Even this morning, now the texts that we're getting, it, they're, they're telling us outside that if they want, if we want food, they'll bring it in to us. Yeah, great. If there, I have to, but the support in general that we're getting from everybody has been absolutely fabulous. The government, are they getting involved? Government ministers, we have a Taoiseach in Cork. Anybody helping you out on, on that regard, even behind the scenes? Well, that's what we're asking for now. That's what we want to ask now. They, they need now, they keep saying that they feel sorry for us. They keep saying they'll do what they can for us. They're doing nothing. As you said, we have the Taoiseach here. We have Michael McGrath. We have Simon Coveney in Cork, three of them. And, and they're, not, they're not small TDs, they're big. So we need them now to step in and to do something and stop sit, sitting on their hands and saying we feel sorry for you. Now is the time to actually show us how sorry they actually feel. And the fact that you are maintaining this protest for, for 152 days, are all of your lives on hold? Be- yeah. 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 Uh, I haven't been away. You know, my husband keeps saying, will we go away for a weekend? Will we? and I can, I keep saying, but I can't. I'm too busy, you know. Yeah. I'm constantly on my phone. I use work three days a week. I'm actually working 24-7. I would say you are. <laughs> yeah, I, would, so. I would say yeah. you are. You have a very patient uh, husband, for, for, for sure. And then, and then even going forward, I mean, to, to start to look at jobs, for example, has, has anybody managed to get work? Additional no, there work. has been a few. Yeah, yeah. there has been a few uh, get jobs, thank God. And they are starting to get on with their lives. But even at that, but the days off, then they are, they're coming in here to give us a hand. Are they? Yeah, yeah. you know. Tough time in the middle of a pandemic to start looking for new work, though, isn't it? Very tough. Very, very tough. And like a lot of us probably don't want to go back to retail. So we have to start doing courses and, yeah. you know, to re-educate ourselves for that kind of thing. So it's, it's going to be, all our lives are going to be changed. And when you look back, Valerie, did any of you see this coming? No, not in the least. We were told at the very beginning that we knew England was having problems. We were told at the very beginning, up to the Wednesday before they actually sent out the email, we were told we were okay. And that Thursday, then we got an email saying that all our jobs were gone. Well, and obviously you're on the shop floor, so you would know how busy and, you know... You know, when yeah. the business is, you know, a lot of workers will say, oh, look, I saw it coming. We knew we weren't making money. You know, we knew it was inevitable. But you don't get that sense from any of the Debenhams workers. Well, no, and we were obviously, before COVID started, we were very busy. And, you know, we we kept being told that we were OK and that our figures were OK. You know, they've, they use COVID as an excuse and there's no two ways about it. They wanted to save as much as the English stores as they could. Okay, so the, you're in there now, you're doing the sit-in until Thursday and then the protest outside the store. Is, is that continuing 24-7, the one outside the store? 
I don't know. I w- I'd hate to ask him to be there 24-7. Everybody okay. needs to get their sleep. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Okay, listen, hang in there and uh, we'll keep a close eye on it, uh, Valerie. And I hope you manage to get some sleep over the next couple of nights uh, as well. And food. It's important that you get the food okay, as well. Exactly. But listen, thanks for joining us. I need to lose some COVID weight, yeah. so you never know. <laughs> uh, listen, girls, don't worry about that. We'll all lose that. It, uh, nothing to worry about. Mind yourself, okay. Valerie. Thanks for joining thanks us. Uh, good Bye. morning to you. That is uh, Valerie Condon, who is the Debenhams Patrick Street shop steward, but she's one of uh, the eight that are on this sit-in in pursuit of what they say is, what they see is, and I think a lot of people would agree after 20 odd years of service that you would get at least the four weeks redundancy pay per year of service and to be offered a day per year for a year of service does seem like an ultimate insult to the workers. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just a bit of breaking uh, news, something we predicted at the, stop, at the start of the programme. It's understood the Cabinet has agreed that pubs that do not serve food the wet bubs will be able to open on the 21st of uh, September. Now we're just waiting on confirmation for it but this seems to be breaking out of uh, Dublin. But senior political sources are indicating that Dublin and Limerick are on knife edge re-COVID-19 and COVID-19 cases and some type of restrictions could possibly be reintroduced in both Dublin and Limerick. Watch this space. And that is coming from senior political uh, sources. I'm wondering, will they go down the route of allowing the pubs to reopen on the 21st of September, except the pubs in Dublin and Limerick? I wonder, because if you think about it, when the pubs initially closed, they closed quicker than was expected and it was to do what was going on in Temple Bar. And if they are saying that Dublin is on a knife edge with the number of COVID cases at the moment and you then open all the pubs on the 21st of September, that could just push Dublin over the tipping point with the number of COVID-19 cases, particularly the number of cases that are out in the community that are not connected to known cases and they are the ones that they most worry about. So it will be interesting if senior political for, uh, senior political sources are saying some type of restrictions could possibly be reintroduced in Dublin and in Limerick. Could it be that they will allow the pubs to open elsewhere but leave them closed in uh, Dublin? As I say, if we get any more, that, um, any more on that, it is a breaking story coming out of Dublin but it is looking like the pubs will reopen on the 21st of September. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now we are into the final few days for people to get their nominations in for this year's Volunteer of the Year Awards organised by the Cork Volunteer Centre. To discuss this year's awards I'm joined by Julie Connolly who is manager of the Cork Volunteer Centre. Good morning to you, Julie. Morning, Trisha. Uh, um, well, I'm doing very well and it's good to have you on the programme. Has there ever been a year when volunteers were, were, were more important than they ever were? Oh, my gosh. Like, the work that has been done by people over the last number of months, it, it's just outstanding. It's the, the number of people that volunteered. I mean, people were cocooning. There was grocery, there was fuel delivered, there were prescriptions delivered. There were people who continued to go out and deal with, you know, homeless people, disability services, 
volunteers working in domestic abuse shelters. There, you know, I mean, and then you have like all the people in the, the GAA and the sports clubs and stuff who, you know, dropped who couldn't do what they normally do when you know went off and did other things and driving people to medical appointments. I, I mean, I, I just I, the list is endless, you know. Um, the, the work that so I really this year I know we can't we're not unfortunately able to do it on a face to face basis but we're we're going to go ahead because my gosh we just have to award and and they need yeah they need to be recognised so, this year yeah. more more than ever and did people who found themselves with time on their hands Judy particularly during that initial lockdown period did they discover volunteering for the first time ever in their lives well there was about. 2,000 people registered an interest in volunteering with Cork Volunteer Centre in that period that had never registered with us before. Now That's that incredible. Is, to put that in context, like last year we had a bumper year with 1,700 people registering. Over the whole year, <laughs> we had so like we had 2,000 people register with us uh, in the space of a couple of months. Yeah. I mean, so like just the, the level, I, I just honestly, I'm I'm not you know me, I'm not I don't normally get lost for words, but it's it's just um, it's just amazing. It's hard, it really makes you kind of very proud to be from Cork and to um, from Ireland and just kind of yeah, like the the people that worked with the the city and council as well and uh, you know the frontline services, everybody just pulled it together. Mm. You know, um, it was just. Amazing, and they still are. Let's I, let's not forget that. You know, there are people still out there doing their services, looking to reopen and reengage, and um, and they're really the community sector generally, community and voluntary sector have just been amazing. And that's the organised groups. There's so much informal volunteering that went on as well. Neighbours helping each other out. Um, you know, even basic stuff like swapping phone numbers and helping. You know, helping neighbours maybe with groceries or, or whatever they need us, you know, that we we probably don't even hear about that stuff, you know. Yeah, that's going going with, on yeah. on a smaller level. And certainly yeah. also we would you, you would hear about people who had been volunteering all of their lives and who were in the over 70s group mm. and were forced to cocoon. Yeah. And we certainly heard from some of them on this programme, devastated that they had to give up their volunteering. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's such a level of uncertainty now as well um, as to whether they can go back and people are nervous. But you know what? Like, it's funny, young people get bad press that they're, you know, they're the ones that are spreading COVID around this. The amount of young people that went out, there was one Meals on Wheels group in particular in North Cork that they lost all their volunteers with stroke of a pen because they were all over 70 and they, were, they had been delivering Meals on Wheels for years and they had no one and they kept us. We got 20-something volunteers, uh, young people for them overnight. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Wow. They, like, people, uh, young people have been amazing throughout this as well. So, I mean, there's, that story needs to be told, I think, as well. And in particular, that youth award um, and student awards, like, those those people were fantastic. So, it's just, oh, look, it's it's heartbreaking for retired people. Um, I, I think it, I just, I really feel for them. Um yeah, I, I just, I don't know really how to proceed with it um, because everybody is, is just being so cautious. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just, and then and when, I, when you yeah. talk to volunteers, uh, Julie, what do the volunteers tell you that they get? 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Out of the roles that they play. Uh, everything and anything. Uh, I suppose a sense of a sense of contributing, a sense of achievement, a sense of being useful and helping, I think, was like a lot of people were just maybe laid off, you know, and things like that during, particularly during COVID, uh, the lockdown and stuff. And they really just wanted to feel useful and get out there and do something to help. Generally, I mean, people use volunteering to get work experience. They use it to meet people. They use it to improve their language skills. Um, they use it because it's it's something they're interested in. So, for example, maybe volunteering with a film festival or something like that, um, or doing artwork, or because they have a family member maybe who was affected by cancer or, you know, mm. something like that. And, and they want to give back, or, or maybe they benefited, um, you know, from someone training them, you know, in, in hurling or football yeah, or, yeah. you know, whatever, when they were a kid, and they're like, well, you know, now it's my turn. Um, so it's varies the reasons people give for volunteering and what they get out of us it, it, it varies as well you know and but everyone anyone you talk to who has ever been a volunteer will will all say how much they that they get back more than they ever give out or that's the absolutely. way they perceive it yeah which i always yeah, think is lovely absolutely. yeah yeah absolutely so you know yourself you've done some volunteer work i, I know well, i've done my bit i've done my bit yeah absolutely. now now talk to me about the different categories because okay. what i like about your uh, these awards um you do them geographically we do we're we're pure cork there's no <laughs> question <laughs> we recognize you know what i mean that, that there are different areas in cork so the geographic ones are north cork east cork west cork north city and south city 
city. Okay, so there are geographic ones. And then we also, I suppose, just to, to try and encourage young people, there's the youth award. So that's anyone under the age of 18. And there are lots of them, whether they're doing fundraising or, you know, working with different clubs or societies or, or whatever it is. We also have a student award. So that's anyone in third level um, institution. We have this year, it's the first year we have a sports award. And I really think that the sports groups in particular, a lot of them just really were so hands-on um, over the last while. So I would say if you're nominating someone in the sports category, it doesn't necessarily have to be for the sports stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, particularly this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, We have border committee member, because I suppose they're the ones in the background, you know, taking all the responsibility. And I think that's a hugely important one. And then we have a lifetime achievement award. Um, So they're the 10 categories. And then an overall uh, volunteer of the year, um, will be uh, chosen from those 10 winners then. Um, so that's Now, la- last year we had this wonderful gala night in, in the Kingsley Hotel and it was just terrific and to meet with all of the mm. individual winners and every, every one of them were so taken aback that they'd even been selected uh, yeah. and put forward and they were all so chuffed by it and it was just a lovely, lovely night out. I mean, we were thrilled here at C103 uh, to be involved in it. We obviously can't have a night like that this year, Julie. No, no, we can't. And it's, we were waiting and waiting to see what the public health guidelines would be. And look, we just can't realistically have 130 people in a, in, in a room and that's the, the reality of it. Uh, so I suppose this year we're going virtual like many other award ceremonies and we are open to... I suppose whatever the volunteer wants, we're going to pre-record the ceremony. Um, we have a special guest, uh, hopefully giving some opening remarks on the night. I, I don't know if I can say who it's going to be yet. And uh, we will record everyone individually receiving their awards. Now, if they want to the Kingsley Hotel, it's been fantastic. If they want to come and meet us in the Kingsley Hotel and we'll give them their trophy, socially distance and guidelines and risk assessment and okay. all that. Or if they want us to post the trophy to them and maybe get a family member or someone to take a picture. You know, record them yeah. or take a picture or whatever. We work with the volunteer and the nominating organisation or whoever nominates them. Um, if they're open to it, we might get them to record a little bit of a video just kind of saying how brilliant you know the person is and why, why they nominated them. And then we'll put it all together. I have a brilliant staff member um who works his magic. I will put it all together. I do apologise. My home phone is ringing. I'm so sorry. You're all right. You're Typical. okay. I'll just Typical. tell you how busy you are at the Cork Volunteer Centre. Oh, we like to hear those yeah. phones ringing. Absolutely. Bear with me now. Okay. Sorry, Trisha. You're all right. You're all right. So, so you're going to, do? you're going to record all the pieces and then you've so got a staff member. And, yeah. And then what we're going to do is invite um, we're going to set up a Zoom link and we're going to share the video then with all the winners and their families. So we'll invite them all to join us on Zoom on, on the 9th of October, get dressed up, but you know, whatever they want. Yeah. And we'll play the video and um, we'll announce the overall winner then. Okay. And, and, will, then, and will, will the general public be able to see that eventually or? Absolutely, yeah. Great. So once we've had our little private viewing, we're going to share it all on social media. And I suppose. Uh, there will be a little spot prize. We had spot prizes for, you know, people who attended last year. So the Kingsley Hotel have given us a little spot prize. So 
also the the incentive then for people to like and share the video. Maybe um, it's, uh, we we'll do a little draw at the night. That's brilliant. That's it's brilliant. It's listen, we're, we're we're looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to going along on the night and being uh, doing my little bit and and being a part yeah. of it. It'll it'll yeah, it'll be terrific. So um and um. We need people now to nominate. I, I mentioned in the introduction there's only a few days left because judging is due to happen next week, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So the closing date for the nominations is five o'clock on uh, Thursday, the 10th of September. It's Thursday, OK. Um, yeah, absolutely. This week, go on to volunteercork.ie and um, under the About Us, you'll see a link for Cork Volunteer Awards and click into the nomination form, do your business, and then a staff member will ring you just maybe to get some additional um, information and, and things like that. Also, just to note, everyone who has been nominated, regardless of whether they're a winner or not, will receive a thank you card in the post, just a little note to say thank you for volunteering. Oh, that's nice. Um, so that's just something we like to do because, regard, you know, everyone's a winner. Really, yeah. everyone who volunteers is a winner. So it's just something to recognise and they'll be aware then I suppose that they were nominated as well which is nice um, and just to note that the awards are for individuals um, not groups and I know sometimes that kind of um, puts people off if there's a, a number of people but there are other awards kind of around the county that, that recognise groups so we're just going with the individual volunteers uh, And it's just a chance to say thank you to the yes. countless thousands of people who volunteer every oh week God, and yeah. who come from all walks of life all age groups all class uh, and creed Yeah absolutely just you know unbelievable um so the, the level of work that goes on in, across the county, city and county, is just amazing. And I, I just can't emphasise how proud we are of the people of Cork. And it just really brings it all home why we're here and what, you know, why we're doing what we do um, over the last number of months. So I just, yeah, I suppose publicly to say to everybody, yeah, amazing. And, and thank you um, from Cork Volunteer Centre. And once again, how people nominate, what was the address? What was the... Volunteer Cork. .ie, volunteercork.ie yeah. and and also volunteercork.ie I, I take it Julie if anyone is listening and we might have sparked their interest in volunteering Absolutely yes so as I said there are there are huge amounts of opportunities for people if they're interested and they want to volunteer absolutely please register on our website uh, you can search through our database and apply for roles we're not taking face-to-face appointments with people but we will call you back over WhatsApp Zoom Whatever you need, we will help you out um, in order to navigate this. And yeah, there are loads of uh, opportunities to volunteer from home and increasingly, I suppose, as organisations are opening back up again, um, is to to volunteer in person. And we don't deal with any organisation who hasn't completed, you know, proper risk assessment and has insurance and everything like that. So I suppose just to give people a bit of reinsurance if they were... um, you know, nervous about going in. We really don't deal with organisations okay. who, you know, who aren't above board. And we wish the best of luck to everybody who gets nominated for the Absolutely. Cork Volunteer yeah. uh, Awards. And we look forward uh, to the night in October. Listen, uh, Julie, we'll talk again in the meantime. Thank you for that. And no thanks for joining us. And thank you for everything. It's uh, always great to work with you. So you're as good. You. You're as good. Take, Take care. Bye bye. Julie Connolly, their manager of the Cork Volunteer Centre. If you know somebody in your community who has gone above and beyond when it comes to volunteering, why not nominate that person? Uh, and you can contact Judy and the team at volunteercork.ie. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits.
listen to this call that we have had in from uh, James and the mind boggles and you wonder what goes through somebody's head sometimes. James was on the Cork to Galway bus. Now the Cork to Galway bus, James tells us, does not have bathroom facilities. There are are no toilets on that bus. There was a man on the bus who needed to go to the toilet. What did the man do? He decided to go to the toilet on the bus. James said that he reported the incident to Bus Aaron, but he's still waiting. He's heard nothing back uh, yet. He says this is what he witnessed. He said it was absolutely disgusting, especially, he said, when you think about we're in the middle of a pandemic. The man didn't even attempt to ask the driver to stop the bus so that he could go on the side of the road. James said it was absolutely disgusting. He just, now I'm assuming he needed to, to pee. It was, he, he urinated. But he just decides to get up and finds a corner in the back of the bus, was it? And decides to, to, to go to the toilet with other people on the bus. That is absolutely shocking. And that's the bus where all the social distancing is going on. There isn't even that many people on the bus. Now, I don't know what would have happened if he had gone to the bus driver, which I'm sure has happened to other people. If you get short taken, you get short taken. But if he went to the bus driver and said, look, I really need to go to the toilet, would the bus driver have have pulled in? I'm not on public buses enough to know and particularly the intercity ones, which is the long, I mean, the bus journey from Cork to Galway, it's probably about three hours, is it? Would a bus driver pull in and let somebody go to the loo if they really needed uh, to go? Uh, but anyway, what, as I say, this particular gentleman didn't even make an attempt to go to the bus driver to say, look, I urgently need to go to the toilet. You need to stop the bus now. He just instead decided to, to pee on the bus instead. I, I agree with you, James. Absolutely disgusting thing to have witnessed. Please let us know when bus and get back to you because I'm sure they will investigate it but let us know what response you get from them. And then Michael was on to us asking about COVID and COVID testing and a charge if you go to a GP and it's a GP who refers you for a COVID test. He wants to know if you ring your doctor thinking that you may have COVID-19, will you still be charged? The reason that he's contacted us, uh, Michael says, my son thinks he may have the virus but can't afford to pay for a doctor. He just wants to be referred for uh, a test. If it isn't COVID, he'll be charged €40. Euro. Is that correct or is it uh, free? OK, I can talk from experience on this one. The, As you know, I was off for the last two weeks and we went away uh, Monday to Friday of the first week and then we opted to stay at home on the weekends and then we went away Monday to Friday on the second week and the reason for that was we wanted to do the, the breaks during the week because we thought that the weekends would probably be busier and hotels would be busier and anywhere we go would be busier. And obviously with Marsha and trying to look after Marsha and all of that, we said we'd spend the weekends at home and then we'd just do our travelling Monday to Friday, which worked out uh, really well for us. But so we went away the first week, Monday to Friday. And then on the Saturday morning, I woke up and I really wasn't feeling well. I had what... I now know was completely blocked and infected sinuses but I just was feeling really unwell and the fact that we were going away to Galway on the Monday morning I said you know looked at the hobby what am I going to do and he said you're going to have to ring the doctor so I had to ring at South Dock got triaged by a nurse over the phone who then said a doctor will ring you back so a lovely doctor rang me back spoke through my symptoms and the doctor said look I don't think this is COVID related which obviously came as a great relief to me because I was thinking if I do have to go for a COVID test didn't in any way think I had COVID 
But I was thinking if they decide to send me forward for a COVID test, I wouldn't get the test until the following day and then I'd have to wait on test results and it would be looking like we'd have to cancel our uh, second week away. So I was very relieved to hear the doctor say, no, that doesn't sound like COVID to me. It sounds like very infected block sinuses and instead sent a prescription through to our local chemist, which I then went and uh, picked up. But then, because it, I wasn't being referred for a COVID test, the doctor said, I'll have to charge you for this now. And it was €40 Euro because it was the out-of-hours GP service, which is normally €80 Euro if you go in person. And what they do now, the fact it's over the phone, it's the same if you contact your, your, your ordinary GP for something that isn't COVID-related. It's half the normal cost. It's, if it's €60 Euro you normally pay, when you go in to see the doctor, it'll be €30 Euro over the phone. So I had to give credit card or debit card details to the doctor and I got charged €40 Euro for it. So Michael's son is in the dilemma if he rings and because he does think it is the virus I would be absolutely Michael saying your son has got to pick up the phone and ring the doctor if he it really does think it's COVID because if he thinks it's COVID and he's any of the symptoms of COVID then the doctor will refer him for a test and then it is free. You don't pay. It's only when you ring for a non COVID event. I mean, I rang in my heart and soul. I knew it wasn't COVID because I suffer with sinuses. I know what block sinuses uh, are like, even though I had to wait for the doctor to say, yeah, this definitely is sounding like infected uh, sinuses. And there was a possibility because it was fluey like that I may have been put forward for for a COVID uh, test. But if your son thinks he has the virus, then Michael, I would be saying, tell him, pick up the phone and, and tell him ring because he will, what will happen is it will be free and he will be straight away referred for a test. It's usually next day, even though I'm even hearing of some people getting a same day COVID test so uh, he could be lucky and get a test today but if not he certainly will get a test tomorrow and please let us know how your son gets on but don't don't let him not go forward for a test because of fear that he's going to be charged because the actual COVID test itself is free and that triage that call from the doctor is also free and somebody else is on about COVID saying Patricia could you let us know how many COVID cases are in Cork area in the last few days. The only what I can access straight away here is from the COVID tracker. Now, as somebody pointed out yesterday and was disappointed the COVID tracker isn't in real time that they don't give you like up to say yesterday and they don't. I mean, we're at the 8th of uh, September and they give you the test case up to the 5th. So it's, it's running three days behind. So these are the number of cases in Cork up to and including last uh, Saturday. For example, last uh, Saturday there was, let me just go back on this, for Cork there was five cases last Saturday and for the previous two weeks we had 48 cases and we were sort of from like the 24th of August on, figures were very low, it was kind of like about two, we averaged about two cases a day. There was one spike around the 25th, 26th of August where it went up to uh, eight and then over the last week from say the start of September it's again about two cases every day. Then on the 3rd of September it went to six cases and on the 5th of September it was five uh, cases and I think I think there was a six, was there a six again on Sunday, did I hear? And certainly for for yesterday, Cork got included in the figure. You know, at the end when they say a number of cases spread across so many counties, which means probably about two cases for Cork. So we have 
we still are doing remarkably lower in Cork. Uh, we have, um, you know, if, if you look at the cases county by county, we certainly are lower. I mean, even just looking at the cases for on the 5th, which was the Saturday where we had five, there was, and then and our running total for the two weeks was 48 cases. Compare that to Dublin. They had 68 cases on Saturday and over the last two weeks they've had 844. And Limerick, which is where the cases are starting to rise, they had 13 cases on Saturday and over the last two weeks they've had 121 cases. The only other ones that stand out is Kildare at 159 cases over the last two weeks and Tipperary obviously have been rising because they've had outbreaks in meat plants. They had 92 cases over the last two weeks but they were all starting to 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 lower you know the figures are getting lower in in certainly in Kildare and in and in Tipperary but it's Limerick and Dublin is where the worry is so still cases in Cork still very low and long may that continue but that's not to say that Covid isn't out there it is but the cases certainly are a lower 1850 Betty says Patricia if the pubs are allowed to reopen will bingo be allowed to go ahead that's a really interesting question Betty bingo won't be allowed to go ahead until they change the numbers that are allowed to gather indoors at the moment we're only allowed six people to gather indoors, except if it's a wedding, 50 are allowed. Until they change that figure, that's going to affect uh, bingo. Haven't seen any indication of them changing it. Certainly, uh, there's nothing coming out from today's meeting. The th- isn't it the 13th of September is to be the next looking at the roadmap for the next nine months. So I imagine we'll get some kind of a timescale then. But they're going to have to up the numbers that are allowed indoors to gather, socially distance, of course, before bingo can be allowed to go ahead. And Betty, you're not on your own when you are waiting for bingo to reopen. There's a, a huge cohort of people can't wait for bingo to start. And on schools that we've been discussing this morning. Hi, Patricia, wouldn't you hate to be a teacher or an SNA today? What do you do if somebody in the class decides to cough? Do you let them stay in the classroom or do you send them home immediately? Yeah, it's a really tricky one uh, for teachers and everybody involved in the classroom uh, setting uh, for sure. And Madge is picking up on the listener who was who witnessed uh, in their local town a bunch of 30 or more young people coming out the school gates. It appeared to be lunchtime and they're all rushing to the shop to buy whatever their salad roll, their sandwich, their soup, whatever they buy. It's obviously a local deli inside in the shop and they were all rushing in to get their lunch. None of them were wearing masks. They weren't in social distancing. They were all on top of each other, especially at the door of the shop, trying to get into the shop. Madge says, what's wrong with bringing your own lunch to school with you? It should be a rule now. And many schools do operate that policy that they don't allow the pupils to go. Certainly primary school pupils are are never allowed out, but it's not the case in all secondary schools. They certainly are allowed. Certain classes are allowed out. But Madge is wondering, with COVID-19, could that be another suggestion that all all of the young people, all of the students should be remaining either at their desks, I can't say let them into the canteen because they probably don't have canteens at the moment but should they be allowed should they be all be forced to bring a packed lunch uh, with them and on the wearing of masks uh, Patricia said where ma- uh, a listener says Patricia where masks are concerned would it not help if they didn't continue to suggest that we only wear a mask to protect the other person and that masks don't protect ourselves 
the reason that I say this is one wears a mask to protect one's airways when for instance one is spraying weed killer and you, you wear that mask not to protect the weed killer from one's self surely it's basic common sense common sense seems to have been killed off with coronavirus it seems where, where people are concerned who should know better wishing you well Oh, and I've done a lot of looking into these masks because that's what all of the health experts say you wear, particularly the cloth covered ones that a lot of us are wearing, the, re- the ones that we wash and, and we use. And they say we wear it to keep whatever's coming out of our mouths trapped inside so that we don't spread it to others. But you are right. It does. It obviously is going to offer a certain level of protection if you're out talking with somebody and you're wearing a mask and they're wearing a mask. Uh, Surely there is going to be a level of protection by you having your airways covered. But to be absolutely 100% sure then you need to be wearing one of the surgical ones, ones, the ones that they wear in the hospital that they say to us, the general public, not to be going out and buying because they need those for the PPE gear. But yes, there is certainly a level of protection when you wear a mask yourself. But in the main, the experts say we wear masks to protect other people, not necessarily ourselves. 1850-333-103. And on a completely different topic, the topic of Brexit. Pat says, uh, morning, Patricia. I see where England are refusing to honour their Brexit agreement. Being England, I'm not surprised. Ireland would want to be careful with the talks and we need to really hold fast. And Michael actually was on about Boris Johnson earlier, saying Boris Johnson was declaring that he was Mr Brexit in order that he would become saviour of the United Kingdom. However, the big problem for the UK is that they have two very serious and separate issues. One is Northern Ar- the Northern Ireland Protocol and what to do about whatever kind of border they would want to have with Northern Ireland. The second is the free trade agreement that they're trying to negotiate. It's very possible, says Michael, they won't get a free trade agreement and will walk away without a deal. There are some within the British government who want to do just that. But if they do leave without a deal, they're still bound by the withdrawal agreement and still bound by the Northern Ireland Protocol. Their problem is that it was agreed and signed into law. Ursula van der Leyen said yesterday, and this is a quote from Ursula, I trust the British government to implement the withdrawal agreement, an obligation under international law and prerequisite for any future partnership. Protocol on Ireland, Northern Ireland is essential to protect peace and stability on the island and the integrity of the single market. And that was a quote uh, from Michael quoting Ursula van der Leyen. And let's hope that the UK government listened to her. 1850-333-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, Anna Cara, the support group for bereaved parents, they're returning to their group meetings with safety measures obviously in place. And they're going to do it on Tuesday, this day week, the 15th of September, uh, quarter past seven in the Munster Arms Hotel in uh, Bandon. And on Sunday, the 20th of September, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland is asking you to make every step count and register for its very first Alzheimer Memory Walk. You can register for Let's Walk Together for Dementia at www.memorywalk.ie and start to plan your route. And Rockchapel, Penny Dinner's collection has been held in the community centre in Rockchapel next Sunday between 10am and 1pm. Items acceptable include cash, perishable goods and home baking. You please ask to support. 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And uh, remember I was talking about Parole James who was on the Cork to Galway bus and uh, somebody got short taken and rather than asking the bus driver could you stop please I need to go to the loo decided to urinate on the bus. Well John from Blackpool was on to say, say um, I, when I lived in Yall one day on the way to Cork a woman asked the driver to stop the bus as she needed to spend a penny. He stopped by a farmer's field. She hopped over the gate and she hid behind a hedge. Well done girl says John. She apologised when she got back onto the bus but you know what we all gave her a round of applause. <laughs> well done at least she had the sense to, I'm so, so proving that buses I don't know if they still do today or how long ago that was but if somebody really needs to go to the loo a bus driver will do his best to try to accommodate uh, the person. Hi I totally agree with Madge. Pupils should not be left out at lunch time or left to go into shops without wearing their masks and rightly rightly so. They should be bringing their lunch with them to school. For such educated people some of them can be rather ignorant says this uh, listener. But then somebody else says talking about young people and students. Joan says Patricia I was walking past the school yesterday and it was going home time so all the pupils were coming out of schools. Schools three little girls stood three in a row in a doorway to let me pass. I thought how nice of them to do that. Uh, and I, yeah, I think, listen, the majority of young people are fantastic. And I think the majority of young people that I'm witnessing are wearing masks and are doing their bit. And, you know, I keep seeing teenagers out and about wearing masks out on the street and certainly going in and out of shops. Uh, they're all popping their masks. Um, and Dennis reacting to the listener who says that you wear a mask not just to protect other people, but also to protect yourself. Dennis wants to point out that masks don't cover your eyes and eyes are an entry route for coronavirus. Masks are not 100% protect, are not 100% effective, effective at protecting the wearer, says Dennis. And certainly the advice is there and the medical advice is there. Christy says, as pub owners have been up in arms against Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael for not allowing them to open and been, they will be closed now over six months by the time they uh, reopen on the 21st. Christy is pondering, will they still allow the local politicians hold their constituency clinics in their premises when they reopen after being closed for six months? Uh, that will depend, I think, and it will vary, I think, from pub to pub. And John says regarding the Debenhams workers who we highlighted in the last hour on the programme who are staging, eight of them staging a sit-in at the Patrick Street branch. And we're talking about the fact that there are 152 days now protesting, trying to get a fair redundancy. Uh, John doesn't agree with them extending the protest for so long. Wouldn't it be more in their line to move on? They could have made nice money in the last five months working. Uh, John, the last five months there was a lockdown. It would have been very hard for many of those retail workers. Well, certainly would have been impossible to get a job in retail because everywhere was closed. But anyway, John, not having much sympathy for them. John says, I work for myself. I have no redundancy when things, I had no redundancies when things went pear-shaped. Aren't our politicians great men? didn't, don't we vote for them. They all will get their golden handshake when they leave or even if they get fired. Who are the fools, says uh, John, who is a self-employed worker, not having a lot of sympathy. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And just before we go to Joe, just one quick text that came in earlier. My apologies 
apologies that I didn't get around to it. And this is uh, related to uh, Dr. Ronan Glynn yesterday at the Neffert press conference. He was questioned about Halloween and Christmas and he said he didn't want to send out the message that Neffert was cancelling any celebrations. He says, I am sure closer to the time we'll give advice around that, i.e. Halloween and uh, Christmas, but we're not giving any specific consideration to trick-or-treating as of yet. And of course that led to people saying, are Neffert going to cancel Christmas? Are they going to cancel Halloween? Well, one listener says, Patricia, I can't wait until Neffert decides to cancel Christmas and Santa Claus. The little one in our house is only six and the only thing she says she wants from Santa Claus this year is for Santa to bring a cure for COVID. Isn't that so sad? Tried to explain that Santa is a bit on the obese side so he might be high risk and with social distancing and all of that and travelling we might have a very different Christmas uh, this year. I I think we will have uh, for sure. Uh, Joe Heffernan uh, joins us. Uh, Good afternoon to you Joe. Good afternoon Patricia. Um, It's good to be back. I've been through a lot. Um, I will never ever ever forget the pain of back spasm. Um, I had to suck on some kind of a bong <laughs> before they could even... If I was given a million dollars, I couldn't have got from the floor of the bedroom to the bed. Yeah, there's nothing worse than bad back. Oh, my yeah. God, it was unbelievable. So I've had an epidural and I've had this and I've had that and we'll see where we go from there. Anyway... I'm like the Terminator. Yeah. I'm back. You're out the other side. You're I am. out the other side. And you were looked after. You were you you were actually in hospital. I was. Yeah. I was. Was um, it very different with COVID and all of that? You're, you know, when you're in the middle of it, what can you do when you get on with it? You know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it didn't occur to me now when I went in the door how we fixed for COVID. You know. <laughs> Well done, well done. Just a case of like kept me out of pain with my back pain. I know, I know. Yeah, well, dreadful, dreadful. So you're doing okay. That's the main thing at the moment. Oh yeah, hanging in there, hanging in there. Yeah. Okay. I was just saying when when I read out that comment from that parent of her little one who's only six and all she wants from Santa Claus is for Santa to bring a cure for COVID. We we forget how little ones, you know, the very smallies, are really affected by everything that's going on. Absolutely. Um, um, somebody was telling me or you were telling me or someone was saying about some child that was doing the count every day. Mm. So many died and so many new cases and, you know, they were keeping tally of the whole thing in a very, very uh, a- a- almost journaling way. Um, so, yeah, of course, um, you know, our mammy and daddy going to get this uh, am I going to get it? Um, that kind of thing. Um, of course we'd worry about it. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I know at the time that listener who contacted us about her, her, her child, you know, constantly just getting obsessed with it, they then had to stop that little one watching yeah. TV. Yeah. They made sure that when the main bulletin was on at six or at nine, that she either wasn't in the room or they switched over to a different channel just to try to, I mean, we have to talk to children about what's going on, but it's to put it into childlike terms and try yeah. to allay their fears. Yeah, yeah. Maybe to talk about it like the flu and the flu comes every year and, you know, some people get the flu very bad and badly and other people don't. And, you know, keep it simple. But at the same time, you're not telling any 
big fibs either. Yeah, yeah. Now, today we are going to discuss something that I think a lot of people are going to identify with and this and this is very much related uh, to COVID and the pandemic and everything that's going on. People will, you'll hear lots of people talking about this, people's sleep has been affected. Yeah. Well, the reason now, the, the, the main reason that, um, that I was suggesting that we might talk about sleep and sleep hygiene is there's an awful lot of people now. By the way, congratulations to the 60,000 plus, if I've that right, um, who got very good uh, leaving set results and um, more luck to them. Now, the other thing is that um, if I picked it up correctly, there'll be a lot of sleepless nights, maybe between here and Friday. For the first round offers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people are going to be thinking, will the points for what I want go up? Um, you know, what changes will come? Will there be places? If there is college, will we be in two days and out three? Um, so... I was kind of thinking that maybe we might latch onto a slightly different um, thing uh, to do with, um, uh, you know, making an effort to try and get a bit of quality sleep between here and Friday. Simple as that. Um, um, uh, and there's no easy answer to it, but there's a couple of kind of hints that might that might help. Yeah, because a listener, when I mentioned that you were going to be discussing sleep and good sleep hygiene as the term that is used, a listener said, could you ask Joe, how do you reset a sleep pattern that has been broken for several years due to a family caring role with several disruptions during the night time? And obviously that caring role, for whatever reason, has ended. Uh, and I dread to think why the caring role has ended, but it has ended. But now somebody trying to get back into a good sleeping pattern. Isn't that a very, very interesting question? I, I often talk about a person becoming um, redundant in a way that we'll say a carer and then we'll say that the cared for person either goes into an institution or um, passes on or, or whatever. Suddenly the job is gone and the job was all consuming. What do I do now? And I suppose, like, that we often talk about retirement. Um, I suppose one has to make adjustments. Um, now, um, I haven't the remotest idea, like, what adjustments would suit what one particular person. I might, there might, there might be one person that if you suggested uh, doing a bit of gardening, they, they might uh, throw a shovel over the ditch and say, no way ever. There might be another person who'd love that. There might be a person who would love to get involved, although they've been doing just that um, in in a bit of volunteering. Um, there might be somebody who would just simply take a bit of time out and say, do you know what? It's time I put myself a little bit up the list. It's time that I just... Um, had some me time. Had some me time. But Gave getting my... getting into that routine then of a good night's sleep, it, it, it almost has to be relearned for this I, person? I think so. You see, for example, um, one, of, one of the first things that we had um, on our little list for today um, was like establishing fixed times for going to bed and waking up 
Now, that was impossible in the situation that you mentioned because you're um, uh, hyper alert all the time. You're waiting for a noise. You're waiting for a call. Um, you're waiting for um, uh, a signal that you need to get up. So that would be like establishing a fixed time. Now, it mightn't suit it to start because it's going to be so unusual. Your body rhythms would have to get uh, used to it. Now, the second one that we had down um, is also a little bit kind of impossible at the start. Relax before going to bed. Now, um, uh, I got some exercises. Um, this could cause a problem now later. How often are you doing your, your exercises, Joe? <laughs> I, I'm saying like about 15 times a day, you know. But um, we we can tell the odd little fib too. But um, no, seriously speaking, relax before going to bed. Get into doing a bit of um, deep breathing. Get into doing a bit of meditation. Maybe take up going to a yoga class. Uh, whatever like that and um, it's, it's almost to switch off and and switch off being the operative word from all devices and be it you know your TV your smartphone your iPad because all of those are stimulating your brain just before you go to sleep so you know switch all of them off I mean oh, you know re- sure. relaxing before you go to bed maybe maybe read a book I mean I always find a book will, will, will make me Absolutely. fall off to sleep if, if I went to bed jaded Half past one in the morning. I'll still do my half an hour of a read. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely. Um, now, the, look, I don't pretend to understand all about the blue light and the, the green light and the pink light and all that. But um, apparently the, the the blue light, the phone uh, thing and all that, um, it, it, it's as simple as this. They stimulate the system. Um, they tell lies to the system. They tell the system it's daytime. It's uh, it's not sleep time. It's wake time, and the body takes up the message of um, oh, it's uh, it's not sleep time. It's wake time. So the body stays awake. Um, I think it's very important to have the bedroom neither too hot nor too cold. Um, uh, would want to be a very, very vicious cold night or especially a windy one before I wouldn't have a couple of windows. We wouldn't open, have a couple yeah. of windows open. Yeah, night, and we've had know? some sort of very muggy nights. Yeah. And, yeah. and people will say that, that they couldn't sleep because they were too hot and that's to so make sure the room is as well ventilated as it can be. Yeah. Now, another thing would be a couple of things to avoid, um, like caffeine. Nicotine, alcohol, um, for it's you know the the recommended time is for about four hours before bed, because if you're going to be having that lovely cof- cup of coffee that you really really like, but if it's ten o'clock at night, you you really are cutting your chances of having a good night's sleep because obviously. Um, the caffeine is going to... It's a, stimu- uh, it's a stimulant. Exactly. And you know what's hilarious is that so many people have a cigarette to calm down 
Um, it's nearly synonymous with, um, oh, God, I need a cigarette. I've got to calm down. And the thing is that nicotine in a cigarette is actually a stimulant. So, that in, in fact, I mean, chemically, you're putting a stimulant into your body so as to relax. There are things like, there are certain teas, though. There are nighttime teas and chamomile teas that a lot of people swear by as their last drink before they go to bed. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I like a cup of um, peppermint tea yeah. be, before bed. Um, and, but and avoid uh, but avoid a large meal. It isn't it isn't a good idea to have a large meal late at night. No, no, because your tummy then is working overtime. Um, when you when your body should be at rest, um, actually there's a whole section of it. The whole digestive system is working away at digesting the meal. So that's not such. I mean, that's just simply a, a bad idea. Um, you know. You also say to avoid exercise for four hours before going to bed. Would the exercise not exhaust you? Right. You have that on the list. Avoid exercise for four hours before going to bed. I suppose, yeah, okay, that would be no, um, uh, that, uh, okay, I need to explain that one. That wouldn't be no a gentle stroll. Okay. That that would be people who are like into the gym, oh, very strenuous exercise, absolutely, okay. and all right. getting all the adrenaline flowing, and then expecting the whole thing to calm down and um, and, and 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 to relax um, for sleep. So yeah, that one needs a little bit oh, of. Um, and then if if you're tweaking. not if you're not sleeping, you say do not check the time on your clock, and that's because there's nothing worse yeah. than looking at the clock and it's two, it's half two, it's three, it's half three. Yeah, you're better off just not knowing. Is that what you're, you're saying? You're better off not knowing. I remember a time I went through a time of quite bad sleep, and um, I would take a glance at the clock, and. Um, I'd be kind of hoping to see six six thirty. There was a time I was considering that to be very good, mm. and I'd see two fifteen. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, and that didn't help at all. And it almost is a psychological effect that keeps you awake. It does, and yeah. it upsets you uh, because you're thinking, "Oh, for God's sake!" I I thought that I was nearly into the next day, and here I am. 2.15 in, in the morning. Um, okay. and, and a listener says, and I know I discussed this earlier with Simon, one thing, if people are really having bad nights sleeps and they're, and they're trying all the tips and nothing is working, what can help with sleep disturbance is to try using a sleep tracker app on your watch and it helps to identify patterns. And I know Simon was talking about that okay. uh, earlier, if people want to give that uh, a thought. And then Eileen says, my son of 16 is still sleepwalking. I was still sleepwalking, which leads me to believe it's something he's always done. He's a happy and a healthy child. Uh, otherwise is there anything that uh, we can do uh, for that is that something you could talk to a GP about um, Joe well for sure but the other thing about it is what we can do now is um, uh, we've done a few peculiar um, uh, little quirks in in our time down through the years Um, we might do one now very soon on sleepwalking uh, per se yeah. Just as, as 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 a day, you know. Is it a common occurrence? I wouldn't think so. No, no, no. no. But but definitely will interrupt a good a night's sleep. Oh, for 
for sure. And then you hear all the the uh, the advice that we get about don't wake the person up, etc., etc. Um, I mean, to be quite honest and candid about it, um, uh, you know, a bit of looking up now would be necessary before, okay, before we, we... So we, we, we will deal, we will come to that. We but definitely certainly if you, will. If you have any concerns, I would say to Eileen, uh, do please uh, check in with you with your son's um, a GP. Some, somebody said, is Joe an advocate for sleeping tablets? Let, let me put it this way. That um, I, I'd... I'd on the continent, no problem. You can walk into a chemist, uh, into a pharmacy, and you can buy melatonin, which is a natural uh, sleep um, uh, remedy. Uh, you you have other ones here. Now, to be honest about it, um, uh, whether it has to do with the epidural or what, but names aren't coming to mind. There, there was one... Um, um, yeah, I, I, I won't say. But there are a couple of natural ones that one can walk in to the likes of Nature's Way, the likes of Holland and Barrett, the likes of... Um, Any health shop. The health shop. Yeah, chemists and, as well are quite good. Hmm? And chemist shops can be yeah, quite good as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, yeah. So there's... Um, yes, in fact, our own our own shop over here... Um, uh, Murphy's in in Borby, they 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 have a huge section on natural products. Um, so uh, they, that's good to know. But sleeping pills recommended by a doctor, I think, is what the listener is inquiring about. No, that's a different about. thing altogether. When you're talking Zimavan, uh, to just mention one brand, uh, or when you're talking, um, uh, you know, those. Um, uh, uh, medicinal um, sleeping tablets. Um, my, my attitude anyway would be, my own personal attitude would be proceed with caution. Uh, uh, I mean, I would, I definitely wouldn't be borrowing one from a friend because the friend says oh, they're very good. Um, I would definitely have a discussion with the GP. Now, um, most GPs um, will um, prescribe for, um, we'll call it, um, a bit of an emergency. Short term. A short term um, uh, that could help, um, in fact, could help to stimulate what we talked about a while ago, although stimulate is a bad word, to um, establish, I suppose, um, a different pattern that if the body gets used to the sleeping um, uh, times well then that becomes embedded but definitely um, uh, that would need uh, well we always said anyway didn't we we're saying it for 21 years now first port of call GP yeah but just be careful with sleeping tablets because they can be highly addictive or oh, highly addictive yeah, we, we need to be highly careful addictive. okay listen you look after yourself look after that back and yeah. we'll talk to you again next Tuesday okay Okay, take care. Okay. Bye bye. Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohopui. His number is 0297661017. And Mary was on uh, to say that she is particularly impressed with Dunn stores in Clonakilty. Uh, she feels that she always feels very safe in there, their hand sanitising station. And she wants to give credit where credit is due. The 
that some stores are really doing well, particularly she feels done stores in Clon. Glad to give that a mention for you, Mary. Thank you for that. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls. Mark is in for Nick Richards for the afternoon. We're back with you at tomorrow at 10 to then. I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.